All right. Right. So uh, I do want to thank you again for being on the show. You were known as the man who revolutionized the pit stop, and that was back when you were with the Rainbow Warriors, my personal favorite team of all time, and I know everyone listening that knows me personally knows how much I love Jeff Gordon. Um, so this is actually pretty incredible for me to be able to talk to you, somebody who helped build the career of the man I, you know, that made me want to go into the sport. So in a way you helped me find where I want to go and end up because I do want to be a crew chief later in life. So thank you for that. <laughs> you're welcome. So as I just mentioned, you, you're known for revolutionizing the pit strategy where you brought in professional athletes that focus primarily just on pit stops, what gave you the idea to focus on that area versus getting, you know, more top speed out of the car? Not that you didn't focus on that, but what made you think of the pit stops as the key area to focus on? It was one of the key areas. It takes a lot of things to win races. You know, you got to have good driver, good cars, good pit stops, you know, good engines. So, you know, we broke that stuff down and focused in each area. And all we really did was was take, you know, the Wood Brothers are really the guys that created the, the you know, the choreography and how to do a fast pit stop. Everybody else has pretty much just been building on the idea that they've had since the 60s. And uh, we just decided that one of the big things that we could work on was training the people because um, at that time, you know, guys were spending a lot of time working on the cars and, and uh, not a lot of time on pit practice. And we just thought if we could get people that were in good physical condition and, and could practice a lot more, they could be faster uh, and, and we could gain a lot more spots on pit road. And so it, that was still a relatively new concept then. And, and, you know, it's pretty much everybody does it now. But back then it gave us a good advantage. Right, it absolutely did. And that was the... I guess one of the turning points, not the, well, I suppose NASCAR's had many turning points, but that was definitely a big one where, you know, what was seen as sort of a hassle during the race, you turned to your advantage, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, but I think that's what racing's about. You know, you've got to find a, a, you know, you look for an advantage and you capitalize on it. And then, you know, pretty soon everybody else catches up to you. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that fully. (laughs) So I actually have met Jeff Gordon in the past and my experiences with him have been nothing but fantastic. I've seen him as one of the nicest men in the entire world. Um, I was down at Daytona in 2012. We wandered into the garage area. My uh, mother, father and I, we kind of just wandered in cause the guy at the gate let us. And I, I wound up meeting Jeff Gordon and talked for 10 15 minutes and i remember this at the end of the conversation he looks at me he says well it's been really great talking jeff but i i got a uh, team meeting to get to and i was like oh you know when's it start you know me 13 year old me i'm like oh when's it start uh, about 10 15 minutes ago and even you know even six years later i still remember that time where jeff gordon went to a team meeting late just to talk to a fan so what what's it like working with someone like that? Is he? I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it. Is he just like that? Uh, like the story I just described, as much to the rest of the team as he is to the fans? Or, uh, you know, I don't work with Jeff uh, that much anymore. Uh, so, well, right, but, but you know, in the times that I worked with him in the past, you know, he's always been very aware of his fans. Uh, and you know Jeff's a good guy. He he uh, he he respects his team. He respects his his fans. And I think he tries a balance between 
doing both of those things. Sometimes at the racetrack, it's not really easy to pay attention to the fans when you're trying to get your car going faster. And, and uh, you know, uh, again, when you've got crew chiefs and engineers and sponsors that, that demand a, a lot of your time, it's tough. But Jeff always uh, seemed to do a, a good job balancing that. And he's Jeff Gordon is just a good guy. Right. I was, I've always wondered about that, how he is behind the scenes, because, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, the fans are what drives the sport, so the drivers, you know, need to put on a show. But I've always found that when you meet the drivers one-on-one is where you realize who they really are. So that's that's actually pretty good to know that somebody who's worked, who worked with him extensively in the past you know, thinks he's such a great guy as well. So you've also done many projects outside of NASCAR. So do you want to give us a quick rundown of all those projects you've worked on? Um, I know cars, movies as well, but what what other projects have you worked on outside of racing? Ah, sounds like you didn't do your homework. Excuse me? <laughs> I said it sounds like you didn't do your homework. Oh, no. What did I miss? No, I said what on um, uh, for, for me listing the projects. I've done a bunch. Uh, we've built uh, – built, um, some custom cars. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we did a television show called Americana. Been working on some things with uh, NBC Sports. We did uh, did have a small part, and uh, con- con- uh, we consulted on the Pixar Cars Three movie. Right now, we've built a, kind of a concept car called the Ghost that's going to travel around the country, running uh, different events with uh, with some different uh, drivers. And we're currently restoring. Um, uh, lots of vintage race cars. Our our uh, our, our cars have uh, been shown at some of the top shows uh, in, in America. So, you know, right now we're doing a lot of different things. So it, it's uh, one of those kind of stories that's still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> man, that's a uh, that's a great way to put it. And boy, you uh, man, I didn't do my homework. Wow, that that hurt. I gotta say. You know, well, I was like, "Wait a minute! Why? I, I, why is he asking me what I did? He should know what I did." <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't blame you. You're right. I did. See, if you want to, if if you want to be a crew chief, you got to be prepared. You know what? I'll absolutely remember that. That uh, I do know one interesting thing though. So, you are married to Miss Erin Crocker, and she's actually from the same hometown as I am. She's from Wilbraham, Massachusetts. So wow, small uh, small town. We're actually um, well, then you're close to Stafford Motor Speedway, and uh, we're going up there for the Spring Sizzler, where I'll be the Grand Marshal, and uh, we're going to take some of our vintage modifieds up there. So we will be uh, back up north there in April. Really, I've been to Stafford many times. What uh, what time in April is the Spring Sizzler? I think it's the twenty eighth, twenty ninth. I could be wrong on those dates, but it's definitely that weekend. I that is in the middle of finals week for me. Otherwise, I would most certainly be there. I've been to Stafford many times. Oh, I love that place. I went up and saw uh, Ryan Priest there last year when he was, did his last race up there. That's a fantastic track. A lot of history. Oh, absolutely. So I suppose to um, bring the topic back around, you were recently inducted into the Hall of Fame. And for one thing... Um, Congratulations. I'm sure you've heard that a thousand times over. That's just such an incredible achievement, honestly. So what is that what does that feel like being honored as one of you know, one of the first in what will be a long tradition of the Hall of Fame? 
Well, it, uh, I, I can tell you that it, um, it's a very humbling feeling, you know, to be uh, even uh, have your name mentioned in the same name as many of your heroes and people that are absolutely the legends of the sport, uh, and to be, to be honored by the uh, by your competitors and by your peers, it's uh, it's really uh, it's really a good feeling, you know. Um, the um, you know you win a race and you get to, to celebrate that for basically five days before you get back to the racetrack. And uh, even a championship is only a year, but the Hall of Fame's forever. And uh, it was a really nice event, being able to share that with my family and uh, friends. And uh, it was a kind of a perfect cap off to a 40-year career. Yeah, I can I can only imagine. I remember the excitement I had when I saw that lineup for this year. That's really that's really incredible. I I honestly honestly, sir, congratulations. That's very incredible. Thank you. So. For 2018, as I'm sure you know, they have, again, changed up the way pit stops must be done. They were going from six men over the wall to five. So, imagining you're back on top of the stand, how do you approach this issue of losing a man that can go over the wall and, again, having to completely rebuild how a pit stop is done? Uh, I was listening to the guys. I've not really been involved in a bunch of it today, but, it, you know, um, you know, as I said, uh, I've it uh, I can only give you my perspective because I retired from Hendrick uh, again and and uh, I've not really been active uh, in the sport in about six months. But I do know that uh, the focus right now is being on uh, having a guy be able to do more than one job. You know I think the guys are going to have to cross train a good bit uh, out there on, on pit road. I think it's great that they're getting people off uh, pit road. It's a very dangerous place. No matter how you look at it, there's just no way around it. Um, it's part of our sport, but it, it's still a dangerous. Uh, a dangerous uh, area. I, I can't sit here and say that I would change anything in, in auto racing because of that. It's just something that you got to know going in. And the least amount of people that you have in danger, the better, the better it is. I, I also think that um, you know it, it adds that that human element. You know, be, besides taking a man off pit road, they've gone to pretty much a standard pit gun, so everybody has to use the same gun. I don't really know how I uh, totally feel about that. I wish they had gone with the electric. Uh, um, type impact guns that uh, have no hoses or no nitrogen or anything like that on them. I think that's even safer and made have slowed the pit stops down a little bit more and made them a little bit more interesting. So we'll see. Anytime you make a change like that, you know, it's uh, somebody's going to get to the edge of the envelope faster than somebody else. So we'll see who it is. A lot of changes this year for Daytona in, in cars and rules and, and pit stops. Yeah, exactly. I think um, this year's going to be very interesting with all the changes being made. They've got, you know, the new Chevrolet body moving to the Camaro, a whole new front end on that car, which is incredible. A lot of teams switching manufacturers. Uh, off the top of my head, Richard Petty Motorsports is switching to Chevrolet. It's going to be a big year of changes. It's going to be pretty incredible, I think. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's, um, I said, a lot, lot of, a lot of good positive things are happening uh, at uh, – NASCAR, and you'll see a, a lot of that start off at Daytona. You know, once the season starts, it rolls pretty hard to February. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's starting up this weekend, actually. They've got ARCA Saturday and then all the pra uh, two practices Sunday and the clash. Uh, they practice sat uh, cup practices Saturday, and then they qualify, and I believe the um, then the uh, clash is, is Sunday as well. That's right. Practices are Saturday and the clash is Sunday. Who are your uh, 
predictions for that race, might I ask? I don't really have any yet because I want to see the cars on track. And, you know, Daytona is a place where people, you know, certainly uh, sandbag. So they, they, you don't really, you won't really know until they get through. I'm sure that the uh, the same people that are that were always strong at the speedways because the engine programs are going to be there. You know, the the Chevrolets and Fords and Toyotas. Just a matter of who did their who did their most homework. Uh, really. Uh, getting a little bit more power and a little bit more aerodynamics off. I know the Chevrolet Camaro's uh, going to be strong, um, but I also know the Ford people and Toyota people weren't asleep at the switch. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely it's definitely always a new experience seeing Daytona and then, you know, cars on track. I remember with Gen 7 it was a whole new world of, you know, domination between manufacturers and seems like it's been a game of catch up over the years for some people. Yeah. So well, it, it's constantly raising the bar. Yeah, exactly. And some manufacturers seem to have really, you know, hit the nail on the head. Toyota seems to really be dedicated to the sport, which is it's great to see manufacturers, you know, being so invested in it just as much as the fans are and putting so much forward to see their cars in victory lane instead of just providing the equipment and seeing where the teams take it. It seems like they're working more hand in hand now. Yeah, I think you you know you've got to be able uh, to share information to get ahead. You know, it's it's kind of that group IQ thing. The more smart people you put together, the 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 quicker you're going to get a good answer. Yeah, absolutely. So, what about uh, for the entirety of 2018? I I realize that you know cars aren't on track yet, and haulers are just leaving shops. It seems, but is there anybody? you think is out there to prove something um more than anybody else or uh you know again i can't speak from people on whether they got something to prove uh i know that that uh, you know there's very competitive um people out there you know you, if you listen and watch the the uh, things between the the stuff Kyle Bush has said um the stuff that uh, basically Chase Elliott has said about having the win, so I, I think that you're going to see the, you know, the young guys trying to beat the veterans, and the veterans stepping up to try and beat the young guys. You know, we, we also heard, you know, Kyle and Brad Keselowski weren't really getting along. Um, you know, we've got some new guys coming in that, uh, you know, like William Byron and Alex Bowman, they're coming in. Eric Jones needs to, uh, he's moved over to the 20 car, so. I think that those those guys all, uh, you know, are, are are carrying a fire to win, and I don't think it's necessarily to prove or want to beat one guy more than the other guy. I just think it's the you know the competitive nature of the of the race driver. Yeah, I agree, and like you mentioned, um, William Byron and Alex Bowman moving into the Hendrick shop. You know, they've well, Alex Bowman did a couple races. Um, two years ago, and William Byron seems to have just shot straight to the top um, through the Xfinity series. How do you see those guys doing going into uh, a series at such a level where they're now at a top level team that is competing for a win every week? Do you think that's going? Do you think we're going to see a situation like what happened with Chase Elliott, where he he was thrown in, did very very well? 
at the start, getting a pull, very nearly winning at um, Charlotte during one of the races there, but not being able to come out on top, finishing second quite a bit? Or do you think they're going to be able to push forward and get a win in their first season? Not that, not to say Chase Elliott didn't have a fantastic season. He's certainly a fantastic driver and you know started to stand up for himself more at the end of the season, but... Do you see them getting a win in their first season in Hendrick cars? I do. Uh, you know, I, I think both those guys are extremely talented. William Byron has proven that. I think Alex Bowman is a guy that people are going to hear a lot more about in the future. I think he's one of the best-kept secrets uh, uh, in the garage area as far as talent and ability and, and desire. Uh, I think, you know, I know the kind of cars that Hendrick puts on the racetrack and, again, with a new Camaro this year, so... I expect all of those guys to get to victory lane, quite honestly. You know, I think this is going to be another year where the Hendrick cars, all four of them, go to victory lane, you know, because you can't forget about, you know, there's a guy that, that works over there named Jimmy Johnson that's won a few <laughs> races too. So uh, I, I think that they're, you know, I, I think they're, they, they, you know, without a doubt, I'm, I'm confident that, that Chase Elliott is going to go to victory lane uh, this year. And I'm I'm also pretty confident that, you know, or won't be surprised at all if the other two guys are, are right there with him. And you know that Jimmy Johnson is going to be in the hunt for the uh, hunt for the championship. So, so we'll see. But obviously, all, a lot of these questions are going to be answered. Uh, right. Oh, I guess about what noontime tomorrow or whenever they hit the racetrack, we'll find out. Yeah, we will find out. But you've heard it here, folks, first on Wiley Radio. A not. I guess wouldn't say very bold prediction that uh, all four Hendrick cars are going to wind up in victory lane, but we've heard it here. I I agree fully, to be quite honest. I'm, you know, I might be slightly biased, but <laughs> I I truly believe that it's going to be a great season for Hendrick. Well, me too. Well, I've, I've got to jump and go back and finish this car that we were working on building this morning, and uh, we'll. Uh... We'll see how well my predictions did, but really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Have a fantastic day. Thank you. Bye.